And welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God, where we study. We are studying the book of Revelation. I forgot for a second that you were studying the Bible. You're like, we study, we study. And I was like, what, the newspaper? <laughs> well, I was just trying to remember exactly where it was we were up to in studying the book of Revelation. But well, yes, we are studying chapter two. Well, I can tell you we were up to with our breakfast Bible quiz designed to get your brains into gear before you even get to work. It's a Who Am I quiz. We are up to clue number three, and it's about to get so easy. I told a group of sailors to throw me overboard. Throw yeah, I wonder who that might be. Also, if you, have you ever been thrown overboard, Mon? Uh, yeah, but just like in a canoe at camp and that kind of thing. So nothing, yeah, <laughs> nothing serious. Like, like nothing like this particular character. Anyway, our prize today is health and wellness secrets that will change your life uh, by Mark Finley and Peter Landless. Give us a call if you want a copy of this book and you know the answer to the quiz. Our number, of course, is one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. And don't forget, we always like to encourage you to listen to Faith FM online. So the way you do that is simply through your mobile phone, go to faithfm.com.au and press play, or download the TuneIn app, get the free version, make Faith FM one of your favourites, and then, of course, uh, once it's on your phone, you just simply run it through your auxiliary cord or your uh, Bluetooth in your car, and you have a perfect signal all the time, wherever you go. And for those of you who keep asking me, yes, we do have Instagram. It's amazing. We have Instagram. Absolutely. Just our handle is faithfmlive, all lowercase, one word, and you can check us out. We post stuff every day. We have an Insta story every day with my mug on it, telling you the different clues for the quiz. We also have a Facebook. We also have a, you can a get Twitter. Ahead of, you can get ahead of the quiz on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. We have a Twitter, and we have a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. Just go Absolutely. to YouTube. Search for Faith of M Australia. Full of videos. You'll see Lyle's mug. Yes. (laughs) That's a bit scary. (laughs) You looked a bit worried for the second there. Okay. Well, let's dive into our 20 million movement, shall we? Why not? Let's go to Revelation chapter 2 and the letter to the church in Thyatira. And we were talking about Jezebel yesterday. And we were particularly talking about what brings or what brought Jezebel's reign of terror, so to speak, to an end. And, of course, that was brought about by Elijah mm-hmm. and how Elijah came out of the wilderness after 1260 days in the wilderness. And uh, there was a major confrontation on top of Mount Carmel. Fire came down from heaven, um, consumed the sacrifice, etc. Incredible story. Uh, it brought an end to Jezebel's uh, reign of terror in that her priests were destroyed at that time. I particularly the like the bit where Baal. Elijah mocks the priests of Baal and says, where's your God? Is he like on, t- on, on yeah, holiday? Yell, yell a bit louder. Wake him up. <laughs> Maybe he's on holiday. Maybe he's on the loo. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. But anyway, um, all that is taking place. And, um, of course, in the uh, in, 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 in the midst of all that happening, we find that, or, or finally we find that Elijah is translated to heaven without seeing death. And then we found a prophecy in the Bible in Malachi chapter 4, the last two verses, that says that Elijah will return just before the coming of Jesus Christ, the great and terrible day of the Lord, the Bible says. Yeah, I mean, that's what it said, but we did learn yesterday that that's sort of like, it's like the spirit of Elijah in terms of his attitude and his work. Because we know that to be the case because Gabriel takes Malachi's prophecy and applies it to the first coming of Jesus with John the Baptist and says John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this prophecy. When John the Baptist was asked, are you Elijah? He says, no, I am not Elijah. He was not Elijah. He was somebody who came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. 
And so when you look at the end of time, we now know how to interpret this passage. This is not a reincarnation of Elijah. This is somebody coming or a group, a movement in the spirit and the power of Elijah. The Bible says to prepare a people for the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, to prepare people for the return of Jesus Christ. And so the question is, we need to be a part of that movement, don't we? Amen. That's right there is a bit of purpose for anyone. And of course, at that time, we have, you know, um, at, at the time of the end begins with... Uh, the end of the 1260 days, day for a year principle that you find in seven different prophecies of the Bible, um, of, uh, Vatican political control over, you know, large portions of the world, Vatican political power. And, uh, of course, that ended in the Would year 1798, ushered in the, um, end of time. We have now been living in the end of time, and soon Jesus will return. You said something in the middle of my <laughs> sentence, and I completely were, ignored it and were, kept going. I was on a roll. <laughs> you were mentioning the Vatican, and I was like, yeah, which you've recently subscribed to <laughs> with a little app download. By the way, we had text messages coming through after that saying that you should be excommunicated for your <laughs> heretics. <laughs> ah, funny. For yes. those of you who missed the first part of the show, Lyle downloaded, uh, was it Click to Pray? It's a new app. That uh, tells you Put what it by Pope, Pope Francis himself. I wanted to see yeah, what, what it Francis tells you what pope, the Pope is praying for, so you can pray along with him. So uh. why not? He's probably <laughs> praying for lots of good things. <laughs> He's probably praying for good things, but going about them in a bad way. That's what I want to say. Well, I'm going to pray that he gets rid of celibacy and the confessional. Oh, that's a good thing to pray for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These, these is what these are two things that have wreaked havoc in Australian society. And we need to keep the Pope in prayer, according to the Royal Commission. Yeah. Oh, of course we do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. or we need to keep all of our world leaders in prayer, and he mm-hmm. is an important world leader. Absolutely. So, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great app. I don't think I should be disfellowshipped for that. <laughs> it's not what some of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were saying that very tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they're just they were joking around, yeah, just yeah. joking around. But yeah, go on. All right, so Revelation chapter two is where we're up to, and of course. This is why we date the uh, prophecy of the letter to the church in Thyatira from 538 to 1798 because it is a parallel of the story of Jezebel and Elijah. And Elijah was in the wilderness for that 1260-day period and uh, came out of the wilderness at the end of that. But that's not the only reason why. Let's go down now. Uh, let's go down to verse 25 and yeah, let's read verse 25. Uh, verse 25 says, except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Okay. There is a reference here to a certain event. What is that event? Uh, second coming. Okay. So when you come to the end of the letter to the church in Thyatira, you have this reference to the second coming. And what you have from this point forward is an escalation in urgency in relationship to the return of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you've got here, um, hold fast or hold tightly till I come. Then if you go over to the next church, it says in a uh, letter to the church in Sardis, in chapter 3, verse 3, it says, I will come as a thief. Then you go to the next one, which is uh, Revelation 3. This is the letter to the church in Thyatira. And what does it say here? I come quickly. And then, of course, in Laodicea, it says, I'm standing at the door. So hold fast till I come. I'm coming like a thief. I come quickly. 
I'm standing at a door. So there is this escalation. When you come to the end of Thyatira, the emphasis now is placed on the return of Jesus and there is an escalation uh, in relationship to the passages referring to the return of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because we have now passed the point 1798. We are now in the time of the end. You know what the difference between end of time and time of the end is, don't you? End of time, time of the end. Yeah, end of time is like when it's done. (laughs) I like this one. Go on. Okay, so when you get uh, your turkey and you start to fatten him for Christmas, it's the end. That's the time, the time of the, of the end. end. Yep. When you take him out the block, out the, out the back, and put his head on the chopping block, it's the that's end of time. the end of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the period, the period of the end, is what we are talking about. The fattening of the turkey part. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And sometimes that feels like it takes forever. Can't say I've ever fattened a turkey, but okay. Yeah. No, not really my thing either. But you know. When you're looking forward to something with great relish over a long period of time. That's true. It can seem to take forever. Yeah, it takes forever, yeah. yeah. All right. So has your trip to Africa felt like it's been I taking was, forever? This is exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, man, I just want to get on that plane and go to Kenya and just feel like it's been a lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, Whereas soon. in reality has been what, since uh, end of October, November? Yeah, it's, it's been hardly any time at all, really. It's a short one. Yeah, and I've only got like a week more to go. So, Okay, let's read about the promise to the overcomer here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. That's pretty strong language right there. And uh, keep going, verse 28. They will have the same authority I received from my father, and I will also give them the morning star. Okay, so the Bible speaks here about uh, rulership over the nations and the promise of the morning star. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so who's the bright morning star, Mon? I was about to ask you, what on earth is the morning star? Is it like the Death Star? Is it like a spaceship? Or is there something you see on top of a Christmas tree? Or Well, some translations of the Bible will tell you that it is Lucifer. Oh, oh wait. But morning star sounds way too nice to be Lucifer. Okay, so let's go over to Revelation and let's uh, find out exactly what it is over here. Revelation chapter 22 and uh, let's go down to... Ooh, it's escaped out of my Bible. Here it is, verse 16. Would you like to read for us verse 16, please? Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Okay, so who is the morning star? It says right there, I'm Jesus. Absolutely. The Bible is crystal clear that Jesus is the bright and morning star. It is not Lucifer. Okay, so you're just trying to trick me. No, there are some (laughs) translations who say that it's Lucifer. Oh, really? But this is really, it says, I am the bright and morning star. You can't be more clear than that. pretty crystal clear. Yeah, yeah. That's right. However... Um, and okay, so here's the promise to the overcomer. The overcomer during the reign of Thyatira is going to be given Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the bright and morning star. And this is important because in no other period in Earth's history was Jesus Christ harder to find than during the Dark Ages. And the reason that Jesus was incredibly hard to find during this period was because he was overshadowed by so many other invented 
saints. Yeah. You know, because uh, the you know, in the fourth and fifth century that we talked about in Pergamos, right there, they, they 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 created this whole process by which they would invent saints. And when they invented a saint, it became a process that would take very very long time, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of years before they would be proclaimed a saint. Is it called canonizing? Is that what yes, yeah, canonizing yeah, yeah. is is another word for inventing a saint. Mm-hmm. Now, this is important for us to understand according to the Bible. Any person who gives their life to Jesus Christ is a saint. Mon, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. Okay, so we can call you Santa Monica. <laughs> you thought that was real fun, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That's it's what true, yeah. that's 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 simply the reality. When Paul writes to he, he writes to the saints, he is not writing to people who have gone through a canonization process mm. that has you know sometimes takes hundreds of years. Um, and, of course, the canonization process that takes hundreds of years means that over this amount of time, at the end of that period of time, and it doesn't always take that long, of course, but at the end of that period of time, you are now allowed to pray to that particular individual because you know that they are not in purgatory, but they are in heaven. Right. Now, I have a couple of questions in relationship to that. What gives us, as human beings, the right to decide whether a person is in heaven or purgatory or limbo or hell. Yeah, that's so messed up. It's like saying okay. that we're God. What gives us the right to decide when they move to that particular location? Once again, declaring ourselves God. And what gives us the right to say, okay, today you can pray to this person, yesterday you could not? I think it's very dangerous ground for us to be on. To make those kind of claims, absolutely. So this is a um, this is a, a very dodgy tradition, but what it ended up with was just you know. You think the Egyptians had a lot of gods? You should try and do a uh, a count of how many saints actually exist. Oh, wow. Um, and if you can pray to them, that kind of makes them a god, right? A demigod, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, it was also – so what you had was all of these saints, and you'd pray to the different saints, um, you know, and there was basically a saint for everything. Um, uh, there is actually a saint, Monica. I know. Yeah. What is she a saint for? Uh, I think she was like Augustine's mother or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what special thing did she do? You know, you get, you get somebody who, who carries somebody on their shoulders and, okay, they become the, the, the saint of transport and you get somebody oh, who… Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. Um, and, and, you know, it just it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And we ended up with more Christian gods than the Hindus or the Egyptians ever had. Which is, um, you know, this is this. None of this is found anywhere in Scripture. This has got nothing to do with the Bible. We need, as Christians, to be students of the Bible. And Mon, I'm wondering, we got a bit of outdoor noise coming through the yeah, window. Yeah, we do. That's uh, because our window is wide open right now, giving some fresh open. air. But uh, I'm wondering whether we can actually close that window so that the power saw isn't coming through the. Uh, Microphones right here, and we can have a little bit more peace and, and quiet. Speaking of peace and quiet, um, Saint Monica turns out probably didn't experience much of this. So, unfortunately, she's also known as Monica of Hippo, <laughs> but she is the patron saint of mothers. I'm not quite sure how to take that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not really sure what it means either. Is like Hippo a place or something? I thought it was an animal, but yeah, she's the patron saint of mothers and wives. Um, so, which makes sense because she was like, she was really upset about, um, 
you know, about her, her son Augustine and his wayward days because he went wayward for quite some time and uh, and she apparently prayed lots to have him, you know, come back into Christianity. And, um, and so, yeah, she became the patron saint of mothers. So, yeah, probably not much peace for her then. She read a lot of um, prayers. But this is a crazy thing because we're told by, you know, the, the Catholic Church that we can pray to these saints, but really those prayers go nowhere. Right, I mean that because they're all dead, and we know from the Bible, the Bible truth says that they're dead, and the dead know nothing. Right? Yeah. So it's it's like it's just empty prayer. And if you were wondering how many saints there are, there are over ten thousand. Wow. Um, So that's quite a quite a significant number, right there. That's I think that um, I think as Christians we have created more demigods than uh, some of the other religions out there. Yeah, because we we tend to hear of different um, Eastern religions and Asian religions, and we think to ourselves, "My word, that's just it sounds so far fetched to have that many gods," and yet. Right here in our own backyard, you know, right within the Western world, we, we have, I guess, basically the same thing, just as a demigod instead of a, a full-on god, so to speak. Did you did you ever hear about how they were trying to canonize um, Princess Diana? Uh, really? Yeah, they gave it a shot. I think they started a petition. Is that how it works? Or we have to do a start a petition to have someone canonize? Like, if that's how it works, it'd be pretty easy. You'd think a lot more celebrities would end up becoming um, saints if all it takes is for them to be... Petitioned to become a saint. Yeah. Okay. So just doing a, uh, uh, a, 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 and and really, I mean, seriously. But anyway, um, you have to have two miracles attributed to you to become a saint. That oh, have, okay. Uh, been actually confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah, marriage. that's probably where um, Princess Diana fell short. Yeah, <laughs> may have, she may have fallen short right there. But um, yeah, just doing a, a, a quick bit of research right there. So uh, ten thousand saints. More than 10,000 saints in the Christian church. Um, in the Egyptian religion, because they had lots of gods, they had um, only 2,000. Oh, wow. So Christianity really, really does outnumber um, five times as the many. ancient Egyptian religion by five times. But um, they estimate that in the Hindu religion, then there might, there might be 33 million. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So how do you keep track of those? How I'm not really you, sure, how, but anyway. Even if you spent one day learning about a god... You would die before you know every single god. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Okay. Now here's the other thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah go on. Go, you know, you go. No, I was going to say. I wonder if you were, if you decided you wanted to learn about these thirty three million gods. I wonder how much time it is you could devote each day to learning about one god at a time, so that you could learn about them all in a lifetime. Like, would it be like one minute per god, and then you have to move on because otherwise you'll die before you learn about each god? Like, I wonder what the time frame is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Okay, so um, we've got um, all of these saints that were invented that obscured Jesus Christ. Basically, people lost, people forgot who Jesus was. You would even have priests uh, during this era that knew little to nothing about Christ because they studied the lives of the saints. Oh, and so they, you know, it was very, very common for priests during the Dark Ages to have never ever seen a Bible, let alone read one. Um, and so, you know, it was pretty much a time period in which you studied eh, pretty much anything but the Bible. Um, and so Jesus disappeared. And, of course, then you had the exaltation of Mary and Mariology. And, you know, I'll never forget when uh, I was in, uh, you know, um, we, we went to uh, Majajori. And, you know, it's a major pilgrimage site right there. And there are streets of shops selling religious material and we went looking for Jesus Christ 
and there is Mary everywhere, and there are children everywhere, and it eventually, after about half an hour of searching, we found Jesus Christ, and when we did, he was dead on oh. a cross. Mm-hmm. You know, we could find we could only, we couldn't find a live Jesus anywhere, mm-hmm. and it was like wow, you know, just so many streets, and all it is is Mary, and Jesus has just disappeared and been lost. This is Eric and Monique.
That was Eric and Monique with Everlasting here on Faith FM, and let's have some easy clues for our quiz there, Mon. Oh, yeah. It's just getting ridiculously easy now. Okay, so this is a Who Am I quiz, and our second last clue, our penultimate clue, is this. The penultimate clue, The eh? penultimate clue. like my use of penultimate there. <laughs> the Lord commanded me to go and preach against the city of Nineveh. Who was sent to Nineveh and maybe didn't quite go direct to Nineveh? Yeah. <laughs> Stop over. A very famous individual mm-hmm. in the Bible right here with a very famous stopover. Yeah, did a bit of a runner. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. I don't know whether classed as a stopover because stopover indicates stopping. Well, he certainly was stopped from running away, wasn't he? <laughs> This Rather is dramatic this stop is that we're going to be giving away in the next clue. But give us a call if you know the answer. Uh, the clue, the quiz, the, the clue quiz, the prize today is health and wellness secrets that will change your life. Give us a call 1-800-324-843. Okay, so moving back to where we were with the letter to the church in Thyatira, we were looking at how um, the worship of saints obscured the worship of Jesus Christ. The other thing that obscured the worship of Jesus Christ was the worship of Mary. Yes. So Mary was exalted to be co-redeemer and co-mediator with Jesus Christ. And if you go to the Vatican today, if you go to to Rome, you find a church there with a very famous statue in it, which is called the Co-Redemptrix, Co-Mediatrix, in which you find a cross uh, with Jesus hanging on one side and Mary hanging on the other. And this was as a result of uh, St. Augustine. We, I think uh, you were saying that uh, Santa Monica was... Um, His mum. Augustine's mum. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you might not be so proud of that when I tell you about St. Augustine. But St. Augustine oh, looked, at the, looked at the world and he said, okay, um, Jesus was God and so he was different from us. And so when Jesus came down to this earth, you know, the ladder didn't really reach the whole way. Um, he didn't really become a human being just like us. And so then how do you bridge that gap between us and God? And so he, you know, essentially, um, as a result of his teaching, there was a whole series of steps that was created out of thin air. Nothing, none of it you'll find anywhere in the Bible. And the first is that you uh, confess to a priest who is a fallen human being like yourself, but somebody who is trained to deal with sin. The priest then uh, can take that to an a, a, a saint who was a fallen being but who is now an unfallen being who can take it to an angel who is an unfallen being who can take it to um, Jesus Christ who is uh, God and who gave his life for us and so therefore can be our mediator. And then they look at the fact that, well, Mary gave her son. Mm, okay. So her sacrifice had to be just as big as Jesus' sacrifice. Oh, I see where they went with that. Mm-hmm. So and 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 they'll say, well, Jesus was born without original sin, so therefore Mary had to be born without original sin, and so therefore uh, Mary and Jesus both never had original sin. Therefore, they are both at the same level. So it doesn't make any sense. So Mary was exalted to be the same level as Jesus Christ. Because if Mary was born without original sin, shouldn't her mother have been born without original sin? Shouldn't her mother have been, like? This shouldn't there be an entire has been asked many times an entire lineage of people who were born without original sin in order to have Jesus be born without original? Sin? Don't make no sense. Going all the way back to Eve. But then you have a problem because how do you have Eve giving birth to children that don't have original sin? Which you can't because she was the original sinner. Yeah. 
So it's a, it's a little bit of a uh, a little bit of an issue, and uh, maybe if you're a Roman Catholic or a priest, then you can give us a call and enlighten us on this one because it is a question that I have often asked myself and never found a satisfactory answer to. Our number is one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call if you've got some light to share on that subject. Okay, so moving on from there. So all of this, basically, what all of this did was that it obscured Jesus Christ. No Bible. Yeah. Lots of saints. Lots of Mary. Very little of Jesus Christ. And the promise to the overcomer during this period is that the overcomer will receive Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star he's described as. And uh, really, if you lived in a world where um, you know Jesus had been obscured and you suddenly you'd been a Christian your whole life but never really knew anything about Jesus, and then you discovered Jesus, that would really be like a bright and morning star, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. That would be so amazing and so exciting to have that uh, experience. I just want to quickly ask, I thought um, uh, worshipping the Virgin Mary had something to do with like uh, Diana? The Diana of the Ephesians, yes. yes. And so um, basically what happened there, and that's a different story again, that took place in the same era. So this was, I think, 431 AD. Um, Diana of the Ephesians was one of the greatest uh, Greek uh, gods of um, Asia. And um, worshipped in the church, in, sorry, in the in the temples and the and the big temple, pr- primarily in Ephesus. She was supposedly a statue that had fallen from heaven as a gift to this particular community, and so she was tremendously revered. She was uh, associated, of course, you know, going all the way back to Ishtar. Um, Isis, Samaramis, whatever you want to call her. There's all the same names for the same individual. Uh, the wife of the sun god and the mother of Tammuz, who was the son of the sun god, and so therefore she was the queen of heaven and the mother of God. Those were the titles that Diana of the Ephesians had. And so when that particular religion waned to the point that it was ready to vanish. The priests of that religion, recognizing they needed to do, to do something to preserve the religion, held a very special service in the church in Ephesus where they transferred the names and titles of Diana of the Ephesians, or Artemis, as she was known, uh, transferred them across to Mary. I see. Yeah, I knew there was so a sort of yeah. transfer. Yep. So, so she received those names and titles from um, Artemis Ishtar. So, do you think Diana was a real person at some point? Yeah, oh, yes, she was a real person. Um, she was uh, a real person who was the wife of Nimrod. Okay, yes. that's sad. Yeah, going back the the first great rebellion after the floods that really goes back a uh, very very long way indeed. It sort of it sort of speaks sadly of you know what can happen if instead of using whatever talent you have to point other people towards Jesus, if you point them to yourself. Yeah. She must have accepted that they worshipped her as some sort of fallen statue from heaven, blah, 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 knowing full well herself that she was not that. Well, she died a long time before that, but okay. she had actually invented that whole concept herself. Well, that's just despicable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because when she was found to be with child and her husband had been dead for a little bit too long, she was like, Ooh. how did that happen? And she's like, ooh, um, immaculate, immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Revelation chapter 3, let's get started on it. We're running uh, behind schedule here. 
Um, and I'm not quite sure even far how, how far behind, but that's okay. We're going to uh, we're going to cover the book of Revelation thoroughly. It's a book worth covering thoroughly. So Revelation Absolutely. chapter three and verse one. Why don't you read that one for us, Mon? We will kick off the letter to the church in Sardis. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Ooh, lots of stars happening this morning. Morning stars, seven stars. Indeed. And this church has a very similar problem to the church in Ephesus. Remember we, we talked about the church in Ephesus had a problem, uh, a danger of becoming attached to the celebrity preachers. Oh, yes. In yes. those days, the apostles. In this situation, um, there is a church called, let me give you an example of this, the Lutheran Church. Oh, I see. You see what happened right there? Yeah, gotcha. They got starstruck with Martin Luther and never moved past Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, when you come down to this point, the Bible says they've got a name that they live, but they're about to die. So it's a challenge for all of us today to be alive for Jesus. You are my joy. You are my song. You are the way, the one I'm drawing from You are my refuge, my whole life long Where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me, your love defends me And when I feel like I'm all alone Your love defends me Your love defends me Yeah Day after day Night after night
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
That was Sovereign Grace Music with Alas and Did My Saviour Bleed here on Faith FM. And for the easiest of the easiest of the easy clues. Yes, let me give you the final clue. It is so easy peasy lemon squeeze. You're going to get this immediately. Uh, so have your fingers ready on 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And tell me who was swallowed by a great fish. I guess almost like a whale, you could say. Maybe. Who was swallowed by a great fish? Give us a call. Tell us who you think that is. We've got a prize for you, health and wellness. Secrets that will change your life. Thank Lyle. you. Yes. Time for question of the day. Question of the day. Bring it on. What have you got for us today, Yeah, Mon? so it's one that's coming from one of our listeners, and it's a good one. What is the unpardonable sin? Okay, this is an easy question to answer. It is found, the answer is found in in Matthew, I should say. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, where the Bible says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy we will be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So there you go. It is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So what really is blasphemy, though? Okay, so this is a really good question. And what does it mean to actually blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? And clearly to be able to understand this Statement by Jesus Christ, we need to understand two things. Number one, God's attitude towards sin. And number two, the work and the function of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that you can sin against the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and be forgiven? But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you can't. All right. And uh, so we're going to begin by understanding God's attitude towards sin. So let's go to First John. First uh, John chapter 1 and verse 9, a very famous verse right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Bible is crystal clear that any sin that is confessed is forgiven. I hope that is abundantly clear to every person who is listening in right now. Any sin that is confessed is forgiven End of story. So that immediately tells us something about the sin against the Holy Spirit. It is clearly a sin that is never confessed. Well, why would why would a sin against the Holy Spirit not be confessed? Let's go to John, Gospel of John, and let's learn some things about the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at three different functions of the Holy Spirit here and how these all relate together. So we'll go to John chapter 14 and in verse 26 it says, But the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So the first function of the Holy Spirit is to teach you what the truth is. Then it goes on in chapter 16, it says, When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. So first of all, the Holy Spirit teaches you what the truth what the truth is. And then it's like walking on a path. And as you walk on the path, he guides you, so it's quite dark around the place, so that you don't walk off the path. So he teaches you what the truth is, and now he's guiding you in the path of truth. Then in chapter 16 and verse 8, the Bible says, When he has come, 
Um, he, this is the Holy Spirit. He will repro- reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. So the third function of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will reprove or rebuke you. So it's, it's like this. There's a path. It is the path of truth. The Holy Spirit teaches you what the truth is. Now you know what the truth is. You begin walking along the path of truth. Sometimes you wander to one side or the other and the Holy Spirit is there to guide you in the way of truth. Then you might find yourself in a circumstance where you step off the path altogether from the path of truth into the world of sin and you go into sin and the Holy Spirit comes to you and reproves you and says, you are a sinner, you need Jesus Christ, you need to confess that sin and come back onto the path. So the Holy Spirit is God's only means of calling us to repentance. Our conscience is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if it's a rule of the mind, what you persistently reject is what disappears. And if we persistently reject the Holy Spirit, our mind ceases to recognize its voice. And when there is nothing to call you to confession and repentance, then there is no, then you have reached a point where you will never confess because you have no conscience left. The sin against the Holy Spirit is sinning against the Holy Spirit until the point you no longer have a conscience and therefore you will never, ever confess your sin. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question of the day, any kind of question, be it a Bible question or anything else that you're thinking about, struggling about, wondering about, give us a call. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text your questions 0491-064-669 or send them through any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on our YouTube comments. We'll be right back after this song. Let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe That in thine ocean depths its flow May richer, fuller be Followest all my way I yield my flickering torch to Thee My heart restores its borrowed ray That in Thy sunshine's blaze its day May brighter, fairer be Joy that seekest me through pain I cannot close my heart to Thee I trace the rainbow through the rain And feel the promises not vain That morn shall tearless be my head I dare not ask to fly from thee 
us life's glory dead And from the ground there blossoms red Life that shall endless peace Life that shall endless peace Endless peace Endless Welcome back to Faith FM. <laughs> what happened there, Mon? You missed yeah. a... Uh, I nearly, I, you, I nearly, you didn't, you didn't realise we were back on and no, I, I sort I of jumped in, but I didn't turn my microphone on. So you turned up mine on, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Oops. Uh, we're both doofuses this morning. Oh, good thing it's the end of the show and we are just about to give something away for free. Make us sound better. <laughs> we always sound good when we give stuff away for free. Today we're giving away a wonderful book um, by Ron Lose it. I want to say it's how Not you pronounce it. it. Whatever. Cluze. Oh, Cluze. I was like, please don't let it be closet. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Cluze, a book called Decoding Bible Prophecy. It is kind of spelt closet. It is, yeah, with a Z and with an extra U. It does yeah. sort of, yeah. Anyway, uh, on the back it says, this is an age of uncertainty, major natural disasters in country after country, an uncertain global economy and political upheaval everywhere tells thinking persons that something major is on the horizon. Futurists and prophets of every stripe fail us at every turn, but God has provided help in our hour of need. This book is about understanding what those Bible prophets said, especially apocalyptic prophets such as Daniel and John the Revelator. It's about knowing how to read these prophecies and make sense of some difficult passages in the Bible. You will learn principles of interpretation, the meaning of a number of apocalyptic symbols, and important hints regarding major time prophecies. If you've been enjoying our Revelation study, which I can't imagine you wouldn't have been because it's just just good stuff, this book is going to be more about Bible prophecy, one of Lyle's favorite topics. Ron Cluse, Decoding Bible Prophecy. Give us a call now. We have one copy. It's going for free. Just be the first person through on 1-800-FAITH-FM. And don't forget, if you've got a weak signal uh, where you're listening to Faith FM, just dun- jump over to the digital version. Go to faithfm.com.au and press play. Do it on your phone and run it through your car stereo system is the best way to listen to us right there. Back tomorrow, right after Melissa.
Just you and me, traveling together on this strange journey.